Hey followers, Kristen here. I wanted to introduce our guest this evening, Jennifer Wilson. Jen and I worked together at our middle school and about four years ago, I took a training with her and it was absolutely eye-opening for me. I remember her showing us different pieces of literature, even just regular ads that we would see in a magazine or on a YouTube channel or anything like that, and how our society views black people on those advertisements, on those books, etc. Even as something like a pool, um, there was a pool safety poster that she put up, and on the pool safety poster, everything that a child was doing wrong was a black child and everything that a child was doing right correct was a white child and it 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 didn't end there that was only the beginning of the training and and seeing how many ways that black people are depicted negatively in our society in our culture and in unfortunately our education system now I will say that since Jen has started this work, I have seen an uptick or an increase in the awareness of at least myself. I can speak for myself, but it seems like the staff in our building is really becoming more aware. Um, I have been out for on maternity leave for two years, but our our town really takes race seriously and seeing our students equitably ser- seriously, and I am really proud of that. So Jen is. Um, I know she doesn't like to call herself an expert, but she is definitely someone that has spearheaded this work and has continued to do the work herself and has firsthand knowledge and firsthand experiences to speak about. So I did want to side note that there is um, a part in the interview where we bring up the voting rights of black people early on. I thought that the information was two-thirds of a vote. It is actually three-fifths of a vote that black people had when they finally got the right to vote in our country. So that is referenced, and I just wanted to clarify that information. Um, But other than that, I, I hope that you all enjoy this interview. I know that I learn, learned a lot from Jen, and I'm still continuing to learn, and I just encourage everybody to listen um, through the whole episode, and maybe you'll catch something that you never thought of either. Enjoy. Welcome back, followers. It's Hello. Kristen. It's Dana. And we have Jen. That's me. Hi, Jen. Hello, Kristen. So, Jen, we met at our job together at Sage Park Middle School in Windsor, Connecticut. I I think it is important to say where we work because it's a very interesting demographic. Um, It's obviously has a large population, black population, um, Puerto Rican population, Mm -hmm. Latino, all all mixes are there. Um, And all, it feels like all um, socioeconomic statuses are there as well. We have the gamut. And um, you and I seem to have gotten closer through training that you've done for the district. And I want to let you speak about that in your words. Sure, sure. So, yeah, so it, I think it's really important that um, it's known that my teaching career started in Hartford. Um, and my school in Hartford was closed to make room for a charter school. And so that brought me to Windsor. And Windsor was always where I wanted to teach, which is the funny part. I feel like it was kind of meant to be because I had submitted my resume seven years ago before Paul Cavalieri called me. 
Um, and the then, principal at the time. Yeah, the principal at the time called me for an interview. I hadn't even known there was a position open. I wasn't looking. I was actually two days away from having my daughter, and so that's oh what gosh. I was focusing on. And he pulled my resume out of like a random bank, and I went in there, and it was magic. Um, I was able to do my a student teaching part with a Windsor teacher at JFK, and I fell in love with it in college. But you know, you go where you get the job, and so that's where it had taken me. And so I was so happy to be back there. And what I think is so great about Windsor is that it really is so reflective of what a community I would want to live in, um, demographically, you know, socioeconomically, racially, ethnically. Um, it's just looking down the halls, as you know, it's just magic. And so I really kind of felt at home there um, when I was there. And so a few, you know, I was quiet my first two years before I was re-tenured. And then once you get tenure, you kind of get a little bit more of a voice as a teacher. Um, and so I actually got asked to run our PBIS program, which is like a positive behavior program for the building. And that led me to do other things. And so kind of led me to the work in equity. Because um, oftentimes discipline, there, there's not oftentimes, there's a huge issue around equity and discipline data. Uh, not just in Windsor, not just in Connecticut, but in the country. And so I kind of just ran with it. And then from there, I was asked to do more and more and got more opportunities to do things, which has really sparked a love um, for this work in me. Totally, totally. So you were recognized as like a leader in our building, just I think number one for your work ethic mm -hmm. and your leadership style. Like you have a way of speaking to people that like gets them thinking and gets them feeling like they're seen, which mm -hmm. I think is super important. I think that's oh, important as a leader leading other teachers, but also a leader in being a teacher and educating your mm -hmm. students. They, I see them respect you because it's two ways. It's very much earned. Um, so the training that you kind of spearheaded and that I fell in love with, I was like, well, I came because I love you. I think you're an amazing human. Um, but I was also like, to me, it was about learning about cultures. Mm -hmm. And I'm a French teacher for the listeners that don't know that. Um, so I was like, oh, I want to learn about what this means to be equitable. Like, why, what am I missing? Because I feel like I'm fair to my students. Um, so the training that you led just kind of opened up my eyes. So can you speak a little bit about the training and like what that looked like and how you start to plan it? Sure. So, um, you know, just for background for me, you know, I grew up in a very, a town like Glastonbury, um, and you know, in a, what most white people colorblind home, we don't talk about race, racism, you know, that we don't talk about that. And, you know, everyone's equal. We're going to be, but when I married my husband, who is African-American, and when I had my children, I realized that things were not the same for everybody. And that my experiences were not the same that my children were gonna have in public school. And that I needed to really look at that. And, and if it's not the same for my kids, then it's not the same for other kids of color. And that, that's just not okay, because they're all somebody's baby. And so I really started looking at the way that we were disciplining kids, the curriculum we were showing kids, the academic expectations we had for groups of kids. And I just started really noticing patterns that are national trends. It's, it's nothing that is, and I think that's the most important piece, right? Like this is not specific to where we teach. This no. is a systemic problem. And it's a national issue. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it, this is how the system was made. It was made to be this way. And so um, you know, I, I started with what I thought would be really accessible and 
I also used my white privilege to be able to say things that I know my colleagues of color wouldn't be able to stand up there and say and be well received because I feel like as a white person, other white people were going to listen to me in a way that my colleagues of color couldn't be heard. Um, and so I just went straight to the gut in terms of education and hoping that that would lead to conversations more about equity in other systems because we're all bonded by education as teachers, right? That's why we we're there. So mm -hmm. I did a lot about the books we're showing kids and, you know, why are we giving our students of color these books that, you know, to read called The Bully, The Gun, The Pregnancy Pact. Like, why are we showing kids of color in these certain categories? Mm -hmm. And why Which are, seem to be negative. Correct, right? right? Yeah. And you're so, in jail or you've got a gun yes, or you're pregnant. Exactly. Like the, the stereotypes wow. that, that people have. And so we talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about especially young black men. And now data is changing for young black women are actually more, um, dis are, their discipline is on the rise. But at that time, young black men being overrepresented in special education testing, in discipline, in the level of discipline, um, and just all that that entailed. And so, you know, that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. And then I wanted to dig a little deeper and have people reflect. Some people don't want to reflect. Other people were really open. And so it kind of was you know, meeting people where they're at, which can be a challenge for me because sometimes I'm like, we well, don't have time for this. Like, let's just get to the work. So it, that's exactly what it feels like. We don't have time for this and let's get to the work, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so I think a lot of our society right now is fumbling with, I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to read the wrong resource. I think a huge part of, I'll just speak for myself, learning that my own education was not fair or just or equitable. It was all about what I look like on the outside and what my society wants me to believe. I almost feel like, who do I trust? Where right. do I go? And to me, like having you on, it, you are someone that lives it, mm -hmm. that can speak firsthand account about raising children mm -hmm. and being a teacher, being in the education system, being in an affluent town, mm -hmm. a what we can consider a white town or Correct. categorize as that. <laughs> But being a teacher whose heart is in a town where there's many, many backgrounds, mm -hmm. but majority is black mm -hmm. men and women. So I don't know where I'm going with this exactly, <laughs> but like, I think it's very valuable, the perspective that you have and like teaching people, educating people. I think there's a big mm -hmm. difference between teaching and educating, which I'm okay. learning too. Teaching is just like take the thing that you're told to teach, like take the 10 facts that you got to get out and give the 10 facts. Education is taking people out of their ignorance. Mm -hmm. And when you're taken out of your ignorance, you're not, you almost feel like you're not in steady ground anymore. So I think people are on this. I don't, I'm mm -hmm. not on steady ground. I had no idea that was happening or I, I was not looking before but now I can't look away mm -hmm. yeah so now where do I go from here and what I really liked about your training is it does like it took people obviously we're all educators mm -hmm. so we have to look at education one would we hope didn't, we didn't have a chance <laughs> right you know, yeah, yeah we, like yeah like, you hope so <laughs> yeah. we don't have a choice or I would like to say we don't have a choice we have to at least address what's happening in our classrooms the population that we're serving you I mean if you want to be successful as a teacher in educating your students correct and your heart is in it for educating your students then you've got to start to look through their lens so you you've provided us with a great list of resources mm -hmm. 
but I would love to have like you kind of talk about where your work started because I know you sure. said that you grew up in an affluent town. Yes. And, and, then, and I was I was thinking about this when you asked me to come speak. I was like, when is the moment that I really realized race mattered, right? Mm-hmm. And so as a white person, that wasn't as early as my husband or my kids. I can specifically remember I was 15 years old. I was dating my first boyfriend who was Jamaican. And I introduced him to my mom. And she was like, why didn't you tell me he was black? And I wow. thought, I didn't think to. Yeah. And, you know, I even though I lived in an all-white town, I was sent to Northwest Catholic in West Hartford, which was very diverse back when I was there. And it just didn't occur to me to tell her. Like, I wouldn't yeah. tell her if he was white. So why? You know, I just... And yeah. I was like, wow. So it does matter. And then it just started... I just started slowly. And my group of high school friends were so diverse. And so I just really started paying attention. And then, you know, I married Omar, my husband, when I was 23. But then the the next time it hit is when we had our son, Kellen. And um, I was, you know, reading ferociously about how to raise a biracial child because my biggest fear is that he wouldn't feel connected to his white side or his black side because Omar and I at that time were the only people in our family that had married outside of our race. We were like, okay, so none of their family is going to look like them. Nobody to reference. Exactly. And we have friends. We have a lot of interracial family friends, but they had daughters at the time. They didn't have boys. And so I was like, okay, well, that's a difference. And, and, um, you know, I specifically remember, so our, our kids went to a very diverse preschool in Bloomfield that they were lucky enough to get into. And then we sent him to, um, our town's public school for first grade and he excelled in kindergarten. I mean, did, you know, wonderfully. And in first grade, they wanted to stick him in a reading intervention, like the second week of school. I remember this conversation with you. Yes, and I was thinking, what? Like, you know, and here I am, a reading specialist certified. So I was like, oh no, right? (laughs) And this whole time I'm thinking, well, because I'm a white woman, I can walk in there. I can say to them, this is not acceptable. I can say, you are wrong. I can make demands that other parents may not have felt as comfortable or have been able to do and be heard. And that that was a big deal for me. That's something that's been really an eye-opener lately for me is, um, what do they call it, posturing. Mm -hmm. When a black person, man or woman, come into a white, mainly white situation, they feel like they have to put on a certain mask Mm -hmm. or speak a certain way. code switching. Code switching, exactly. And I only ever thought of that as a French teacher with languages. And then you're like, oh, that word doesn't exist in this language, so let let, Mm -hmm. let me go back to mine. And say it, but it's it's really your whole facade yes. has to the try and speak, change the way the, you sit. The way you carry yourself, you know, and my husband is, is a bigger guy. And so he's always like, well, if I go in there and I yell, like, it is not going to be received well. And then the other part was like, well, if you don't come with me, then it looks like he doesn't have a father, right? So mm-hmm. it's like this weird that my parent and I just keep thinking, my parents never had to think about that, ever. Yeah. And this parenting thing is so hard in general. Mm-hmm. And then you add these layers and I was like, my God, like I am so privileged. My parents didn't worry about any of these things. They didn't ever have to fight maybe a little bit because I was a girl, like in terms of certain subjects weren't as like girl, you know, now it's a little bit better, but We've you know, the math and sciences, you know, too, yeah. but nothing compared to when, you know, I, I it, it just really was eye opening. And so fortunately for me, Um, I was educated in education, so I knew what to say and I knew how to get him, you know, really he was bored was the problem. He wasn't, you know, lost. He was bored. And then they got it. And I will say he had an excellent elementary school um, experience. Excellent. I mean, they just nourished that boy beautifully. 
However, he went to middle school and he wasn't viewed as that like cute little boy anymore because mm. they hadn't known him mm. that whole way. And he had the, the staff at his middle school experienced him very differently. And he had in seventh grade, the first, you know, we have, we've talked to our children from birth about per, the world's perception of them and who they are. Yes, they're biracial, but the world will perceive you as black. And, you know, you could tell them all the time, but until something happens, they don't understand. And, you know, our son Kellen was in seventh grade and took a fry off a friend's plate. Like, you know, boys, they just eat whatever they can get. 12 year old boys. And he got kicked out of the calf and he owned up to it. He fessed up to it. He's like, yeah, I took his fry. They kicked him out of the calf and they called me. And so I'm waiting there. Cause as a teacher, I'm like, really? I'm getting a call over a fry. Like, do you know how many times I get a call during the day? If this yeah. is what we're calling about. Seriously. Right. So I'm waiting, like almost waiting for what the event was. Right. And then I said, I'm sorry. So I'm confused. Right. So you're calling me because he owned up to it and then you still kicked him out and it's over a fry. Well, come to find out a white student did the same thing, lied and didn't get kicked out and she believed him. So I requested that they pull the tapes and then what was the most heartbreaking, I think for Omar and I is Kellen said, I know exactly what you're talking about now. I was kicked out because I'm black and the other kid wasn't. And no matter what the intent was, and this is what I had to tell the administrator, the impact on my child was that he was being disciplined different because he's black. So it doesn't matter, right? And that that's a big learning thing for me, intent versus impact. Um, God, you got me going now. Like, I'm yeah, I know, this is so, it, this is it, keep going. Uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of trying to reflect because I really thought that I was more aware than I was when I started this work. And I have learned a lot that I was, the, I was very stereotypically the white woman that would cry at injustice and then people of color would have to console me, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that is just what happens. And I've seen it happen at work. I've seen it happen in the real I world. I did it. Yeah, yeah I, that's for sure. I'm like a baby yes, because I'm so like, I can't believe this yeah. is happening, right? It and is. here, you know, people of color that I love have had this happen their whole life for generations. And then here they are consoling me when it didn't even happen to me, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just have really had to take a look at myself because I will be honest, like, I was fortunate enough that the district paid for me to go out and, and work with Lee Moonwa, who's an excellent um, documentary filmmaker, and he does this whole program for mindful facilitators, and it's how to mindfully facilitate conversations about race. And the first year is all about owning your own stuff and mm -hmm. owning your own racist views. It's not just bias. I mean, it's racist views. And I was in a training with a person from a woman of color from our district who was an administrator, like higher level than me. And she was sharing, um, you know, about the work and it being hard. And she became very emotional. And I scooped right in to rescue her. And the facilitator was like, nope, like, it's not your, like, back off. And I, at first, was like, well, like, you know, wanted to cry more. I, and then I thought, wow, okay. Yup, like, this is what I do, right? Like, I just go in and think that I need to save people. And it's not as a white person, I need to hold other white people accountable. Like that's where I've shifted my work is yeah. I am not staying quiet. I am not going to allow people I love to believe things that are wrong or, mm -hmm. you know, and that that's a new shift for me because it, it's hard to challenge people you love. 
Mm. And it's and hard. And then you're the younger one. Yeah. Like I'm the youngest exactly. in my family. And, and I'm no going one wants to like, think like, hold on a second. Yeah, their family's racist. I mean, no one wants to like, the, you know. You're not racist because you're hateful. You're racist because that's how you were raised. Exactly. And, and what we've been conditioned, right? Conditioned. I mean, like this that's is a great like, word. this yes. goes way beyond us. Like these mm-hmm. systems were all put in place so that this is how it would work. Like, you know, Will Smith, I think was recently the one that said that like this system is working. The only, you know, the only difference is this has always been happening, but we have film now, right? Like we're recording Mm -hmm. it. This is the only difference. And so it's just amazing to me living in both those worlds, like growing up in a all white family as a white woman and now raising two biracial children, a, a young son and a daughter and seeing the conversations that we have to have and knowing my white friends aren't having them. And so when I'm, you know, these last three weeks, I've had a lot of white friends reach out because just now they're understanding that there's a problem, right? Yeah. Even though I've shared stories, it's like, yeah. you know, all those stories, they that didn't believe. That person's just complaining. Yes, exactly. That or, can't oh, really be true. Not, right, you must have misread it or, mm-hmm. oh, that's not what they meant. And it, you I know. thought that, like, yeah. I, like I thought that too. Well, what did my they friend do would before like, that? No way. Yeah, 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 right. What's what happened before the tape? What, right? Like all that mm-hmm. stuff. And so now I'm getting all these random texts, and my response has been this. You know, they're always like, "Oh, how are the conversations in your house?" And my response is always the same: We've been having these conversations for years. I yeah. have a son and a daughter, and my son has been twice the size of his age his entire life. He's 13 and six foot one, mm-hmm. so he doesn't get you know, second chances. And Mm -hmm. so my question is to you, how are the conversations going in your house? Right? Like that's a huge, you need to be the ones having the conversations. And you know, some friends have reached out, like, how do I go about it? How do I do it? You know, some of friends that are my kids' friends and some that I have friends that have kids that are little and they're like, I don't know how to talk. And, you know, and so I appreciate that, but I am by no means an expert. Right. And so I walk around this world as a white woman and I have all the privileges that that entails. It just so happens when I go home, the three people I love the most in the world don't have them. And Mm -hmm. it's this weird, weird Mm -hmm. space to be in. And so I feel like for me not to say something would be so not valuing my, my family. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious about, because we kind of have touched on this now a couple of times, it seems like a big topic for not just in this conversation, but in a lot of conversations is, wow, this has been happening for centuries mm-hmm. and I'm finally seeing it. Mm-hmm. I've seen that from, from myself, from mm-hmm. Kristen, from my friends, like how to, how am I just seeing this? You know, and we've had, we have these shifts in our life. Like I am, have a similar upbringing to you aside mm-hmm. from my high school was primarily white. I didn't mm-hmm. go to, to Northeast Catholic, mm-hmm. but, um, I had a shift when I went to school in South Carolina mm-hmm. where I was raised like, love everyone, no yeah. judgment, you know, like it doesn't matter if they're, what their sex, race, gender, anything, you know? And so I had this like idea of I'm good. Yeah. I'm not racist. I'm not homophobic. I'm not anything. And then I went to school in South Carolina and I didn't think it existed. Ugh, that's the scariest I, th- I was part. like, Martin Luther King took care of it. Yeah, We're good. Like we don't I have know. to think about it, you that's, know? Yep. And I went to school in South Carolina and I confederate flags everywhere everywhere everywhere. and comments were made that Mm -hmm. i was like oh it's this is still alive alive and well sure yep and still that was like a shift Mm -hmm. and then i went to to, i lived in los angeles for a year and and 
several of my friends were black men. Mm-hmm. Another shift. Mm-hmm. And that was when the Black Lives Matter movement really took off. Mm-hmm. That was in 2015 I was there. And it was really, that mm-hmm. was when Michael Brown was killed by, yeah. by police. Yeah. And that was another shift. And now this happened. And it feels like now, it's like, how did I, how did the, how were those things not enough for me? Where now all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is it feels so different for some reason. It feels like everybody is just on the same page in a way and that there's like uh, uh, this shift. And I'm just curious what you think uh, about, because even, te- you know, having to teach this at your schools with other yeah. teachers or with your years students. Years ago. This yeah, year, like yeah years ago. And how you said, yeah, how you said some teachers were really into it and other right. teachers were, would take it a certain way and then kind of stop and not want to go any further. Like, what is the difference between the people that want to take it all the way? And mm. like, what can we do better to take the people that will maybe admit that there's a problem, but not do, really do anything about it? Like, how do we well, get them? I think the biggest thing for me, and so when I read the book Waking Up White, which was years ago, and I realized that redlining existed and so that made certain neighborhoods not black people allowed not to unattainable. What, right. Is redlining that is that like like so uh, redlining is and this is something we weren't ever taught in history, right? Clearly right. you nope. weren't taught, right? Nope. So redlining is how they kept certain races in certain neighborhoods. And so what they so first of all, back up the GI Bill. So all the after World War II, every GI gets a mortgage, right? Gets free mm-hmm. college. No, not every GI. White GIs. Black what oh. they they so black Soldiers could only go to black universities, but those weren't desirable enough for education grants because those were less than stellar. You know, it was like this whole system, right? So redlining was um, they would only allow mortgages in certain sections, certain areas of the town were desirable. Mm. So in Hartford, it was the North End was not desirable. So they would steer black families there. Is that because there was like, um, I heard something about like highways were built there. Highways are specifically like built in undesirable neighborhoods yeah. to and then split people them. get asthma. It, it's just it, all it right. And yes, and then exactly, yeah. it's just like this big cycle. And so, you know, they made the west end of Hartford the green zone. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do urge you to like Google redlining and read all about you can. Um, and then, so what ends up happening is. What's based on the people that live there, the school availability, your resources, the taxes, all those things that go and create these levels of education and these systems, right? And so I asked my mother-in-law, because my in-laws are from Alabama. My father-in-law came up here to work at Pratt & Whitney because it was great money Mm -hmm. um, and there were no opportunities in the South. Um, They're from very rural black belts, poverty, Alabama, like sharecropping family, like really have done amazing things just in one generation because my husband has tons of cousins that have gone to college and are educators. It's just amazing. Um, but my mother-in-law said they didn't even show her another neighborhood. Like mm. they didn't even, and she's like, and I didn't think to ask because all my friends from Alabama were living in that neighborhood, right? Like mm. the Northern migration. She's like, so I didn't think to ask. And I was like, well, yeah, that was intention. Like she, you know what I mean? It just didn't even register. Like we don't think Correct. To ask about our privilege Correct. because it just exactly. is there. Because you're just yeah. given it, right? Yeah. And so it's just so interesting when you when I read about those things, those comments like, well, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps were mm-hmm. all debunked because how do you pull yourself up from your bootstraps when you were clearly given an edge? Like, what? how do you attain wealth? We were just talking about this. Property. Mm-hmm. If you can't get right. a mortgage, you can't obtain property. And what happens with property gets passed down generation. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all these things that were created to keep people at the bottom 
well, white people at the top, call it like it is, and everyone else on the bottom, people of the color on the bottom. I don't know why this is just coming in my mind. Is this, and I'm not a history buff Mm -hmm. at all, and I'm going to do my best to be better at it for sure, but wasn't when black people got the right to vote, weren't they two-thirds of a vote? So, yes. Yeah, so, so, like, like that, we didn't they even were treat counted them. as two-thirds of a, of a man. Yeah. So, we didn't even treat yeah. them as a whole human Correct. at that time. No. And, and then, that wasn't that long ago. No. no. And then, I know you've watched 13th, because I, I know that. And so, yeah. like, when you look at, like, the whole... I was just talking to my son about this today, because we... I, I'm like starting to make him watch certain things. Like we've had conversations, but there's just so many great resources out there right now that can just lay it out in a way that he'll listen and not because I'm his mother. Um, But just like the whole, you know, crack versus cocaine. I (laughs) Right? And and then the sentences. And now, you know what it is now? It's the marijuana dispensaries. So all these people of color are in prison. In jail because of marijuana distribution, but white people are out here making millions opening up dispensaries now that it's legal. And these people are still in jail. I was just listening to um, Armchair Expert, and he had Ibram Kendi on, Mm -hmm. and they were talking about race and systemic racism in this Mm -hmm. country. And one of the points that Ibram made that I wish that I was on the podcast so I could ask (laughs) him a counterpoint, ask him a question, (laughs) because he, he said... You know, there are different racial disparities in this country. And one of the, um, he talked about the, the medical system mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that actually, um, yes. he talked about, he talked about the opi- opioid, <laughs> oh my God, epidemic. <laughs> epidemic. And he talked about how um, um, doctors are less likely to prescribe pain meds to black people because mm-hmm. they think that their pain tolerance is higher. So they prescribe them more to white people. Mm-hmm. And then now white people have this, have the, and it made me think about, okay, why, where are the commercials for the crack epidemic, mm-hmm. right? Like think about those commercials. And this is what I wanted to ask him back. Okay. Yes. Maybe it negatively affects white people. Right. But then we have these ad campaigns that are like, Johnny just got hurt in a lacrosse game. Billboards. And, yeah. And, and then he had, and then he got prescribed opioids and now he's addicted. And like, yes, that's true. And that's very mm-hmm. sad. And we should definitely do something about, about this epidemic mm-hmm. for sure. But where are the ads that are like, People like there was no there was no work available to this person, and so they started selling drugs. Right. And then they, you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah, where like are we the ads? created a system of poverty yes. for them, and so yes. no opportunity. So in order to take care of their family, they they're had, selling exactly. drugs now. So where are their commercials that are like, you know, it's just it's crazy the way that that and, that and is, what you just described is part of white privilege. Exactly which that that term is so unsettling for mm. white people. And I will be honest, like I'm. The close relationships I have, it's very, I've heard just like pages of, here's why I'm not privileged. I've worked hard and, and you have worked hard. Exactly. And I appreciate the mm-hmm. hard work you've done because I have learned from your hard work. Mm-hmm. I have probably profited from your hard work. Mm-hmm. But that's not what right, white privilege is. It's right. saying yeah, that think... because you have the skin you have, I can go into my son's school and not look like an mm-hmm. angry person. Exactly. I can look like a concerned mother because I'm white. Right. That I'm given the benefit of the doubt when I'm pulled over. That I, you know, my family was able to come back from war, get a mortgage, buy property, send me to college, right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to think that you have privilege from a system built to keep other people down. Mm-hmm. But until we as white people acknowledge mm-hmm. that that system exists, nothing will change, right? right. Because it, it's time for us as white people to do this work, right? Like right. people of color have been doing this work forever. And so... You know, I just think that when we, it just always ends up being like, 
we expect people of color to teach us about it, to for them to fix it, for them to console mm-hmm. us. And it's like, that's not, it, it's our turn. Yeah. yeah. So, so one of the things that really fascinates me in general about every topic ever is really taking um, a well, well-rounded, holistic view of things. And so this idea of privilege mm-hmm. and this idea of white privilege, I've been thinking about it a lot. And honestly, I think, like, I think we can all agree. Nobody has, like, uh, none of us are fully privileged, right? We're privileged in different ways. And it's really easy for us to, it's really easy for me to say, I am privileged in that I have a roof over my head. I have a job. (coughs) I have, like, my mom had to help me pay my rent last month Mm -hmm. because I, you know, I have a family that would not let me go homeless. Mm -hmm. It's easy for me to say that I'm privileged in those ways, right? And I think a lot of people that are listening could agree. We can think (coughs) about all these things that we're privileged about, right? These things that, like, I'm grateful for the couch you're sitting on. Mm -hmm. We talked about my couch, you know, (laughs) things like that. But for some reason, it's really hard for people to understand their white privilege. Mm -hmm. It's this, and it's, I I don't think it's that much different than understanding that you're privileged in that you, like, the thing that you're grateful for in your life that you don't think a whole lot about like the food in your fridge like there's just this <coughs> I think maybe because it really affects our interpersonal relationships and it is so big and so massive well, and, and I so I also think the shame that comes with it yeah right? and the yeah. guilt and like the yeah. white guilt and that um that's talked about a lot in that book white fragility that's like on fire right now that oh yeah white person mm-hmm. thinks yeah. they're gonna I'm going to save yeah. the world by reading this yeah. book. But, like, um, read it. Yeah. Read it, please. Exactly. It's going to undo and everything. To work. Yeah. But yeah, like the shame and the guilt that comes with it, right? And all white people are like, well, I didn't own slaves. And I also think that up in New England, we are so mm-hmm. quick to be like, mm-hmm. well, I'm from New England. Yeah. We didn't have slavery yeah. up here. Yeah. We were abolitionists. No yes, right? Like my family's a Quaker. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, right. like all these things yeah. that we like connect to and... You know, my husband Omar and I talk about this all the time that it's actually scarier for us up here raising our children because it's very embedded into systems mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. sneaky. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like down in Alabama and in South Carolina, they fly those flags and you know, okay, not going to that house, not going to that house. Mm-hmm. Here no one flies a flag. Well, rarely. Some do. But you know what I mean? It, it's more subtle. Yeah. And it, it it's just not as out there. And so people tend to think that it doesn't exist. And then it makes people question like, did that really happen? Like, you know, when we have our incidents with our son, you know, we're like, are, are we overreacting? Like, mm-hmm. are we looking? Are we're we... gaslighted. Right. Yeah, We're exactly. gaslighted. Like, you know, I mean, we've had, it was like reading a textbook though, his experience. Like he, so he's an honor student. His honor status got questioned. His math teacher said he didn't belong in honors, got accused of cheating on his first test. He got kicked out of the cafeteria and then he had come home and he was upset because, um, some, Students of color were telling white kids that they could use the N-word because they were like down, you know, like you're down, you could use it, you're cool. And he was like, I just don't know what to like do with this because if a white kid calls me the N-word, mom, I'm going to lose my, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wouldn't be happy. I reached out to a school counselor. I'm like, he doesn't want to be talked to about it, but I just need you to know you have a problem in this school, right? I'm thinking educator to educator, like I'm letting you know. Well, what does, you know, the vice principal do? Call him down and ask him to identify the black students that were giving it out <gasps> on a camera, like on a video. So his response was like, first of all, I don't know these kids. Like, I don't know every black kid in the school, right? And like, that's not what I wanted to happen. And I also, want... it's not about them. It's about the white people saying the word, Thank right? Thank you, right? So we flipped it, right? So yeah. now the people that are in trouble are the kids right. of color. And then right. so when I talked to the vice principal about it, because he came home and told us, 
that he was called down to look at film and I mind blown, right? Like I was like, what? Yeah. And so when I spoke to the vice principal, she had said to me, well, you know, Mrs. Wilson, I have a really good relationship with all the kids of color in school. So, you know, it'll, it'll be okay. And I was like, okay, time out. The fact that you just said that to me proves to me that you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So you are no longer, like we had to say that she was no longer allowed to talk to Kellen alone. I just, I, it didn't feel safe. He didn't feel safe. It just, what did the, what about that statement kind of struck you? Just, I just, when you think that you, it's, very it's hard to put into words, but right. Like you are part of a system that is not safe for my child right now. And I can say that because in the town that I live in, there's a lot of work to do, right? Like I've grown up in that town and now my kids are, you know, going to school in that town. And so I know what is happening. I'm on the soccer fields. I'm on the football fields. I know what's happening. Ear to the ground. Yes. Like I hear the way that they talk about open choice students. I hear about how they say those Hartford kids, which we all know is code for the black kids. I mean, we're not stupid. And so when she said that to me, I just thought, how dare you? Like you should have a relationship with all your students. But the fact that you just flipped that whole thing, I think it was her actions and her words combined that just Mm -hmm. made me think, lady, you don't get it. And it's almost just like, I'm not guilty. It's like saying, it's like saying, well, my hands are clean. Right. And his school counselor was so great. She was like, I am so sorry. Like I didn't think it, I had no idea that she, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That was going to happen. And, and so it. It was just, it made him really uncomfortable. It made him like a snitch, which in middle school is like the kiss of death, right? Right. And like, you know, it broke his trust to me because he asked me not to say anything. It was just so bad on so many different levels. Middle school is hard enough. It is hard. And so, you know, I mean, it was just like reading a book though, because I'd done all the research on like black boys and when their shift in education and it was like his life like unfolded like the textbook. Mm -hmm. It, It was just, you know. And so I, ha- and, and that wasn't a hundred years ago. No, everyone. That was I just saw last year. year. That was last yeah. year. <laughs> and I, you know, because I'm in education, I had the where all and the skills and the words I knew to drop to say, no, he belongs in honors. And why don't you think he belongs in honors? Oh, cause he got a D. How many other students got a D? Oh, the whole class. And I know that cause I talked to every parent. So if a whole class got a D, perhaps that's your problem and not the kid's problem. Like, right. but the mm-hmm. fact that. I just think of like how my privilege allowed me to do that. I went in there alone. Omar didn't come. Um, he did come like the next time because it continued to be a problem in that class. Um, and I really think the only reason that we were able to get the way we were were two things. One, I was white. And the principal of that school was also my son's elementary school principal. So he knew. He had moved up. So he knew mm-hmm. my son. And so I didn't yeah. have to prove that Kellen deserved to be there. Something that you said um, about the counselor that you sat down with and how she knows everybody. And it wasn't necessarily that that brought this up, but um, the work that you do with sitting with anybody. Mm -hmm. You'll sit with anyone. Mm -hmm. You'll sit with black, Latino, white, doesn't matter. You'll sit with educators. You'll sit with other parents. Um, I don't know if you've found the secret yet. I don't Mm -hmm. know if there is a, a secret or one way, but it is very difficult for people to talk about privilege what do you find helps disarm people when they come? Because people come in with their defenses or mm. their ignorance or whatever. And like, we're all ignorant to something. Like everybody is ignorant to something in their lives. Um, and, and I think a majority of us are ignorant to the privileges that we do have, the inherent privileges mm-hmm. that we have. 
Um, so how do you find going about those conversations with your, you said your family, like that's not Mm -hmm. easy. No. What, what have you found to be the most successful in having those conversations? Ooh, I don't feel so successful these last two weeks. So, and that's a fair statement you know, too. It's, um, it's, it's human to hear you're struggling. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I definitely have not um, turned as many folks as I wish I had. But yes. I have really tried to listen to hear and not respond. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to really validate my family to tell them like, you are a product of this system Was that, that was created for you to think this. This does not make you a racist and it doesn't make you a bad person but you have been taught and grown up in racist institutions right so like Mm -hmm. and that that seems to break down a little bit of a wall because no one wants to view themselves as a racist right racist equals bad racist equals hate Mm -hmm. racist equals evil person and don't get me wrong there are some people i know that are just racist i mean they are yeah but the one those people don't usually want to talk to me so i don't but the ones that are kind of like on the fence and you're like, oh my God, you're so close to like seeing it. I know you could see it. Um, you know, I, I just try to come from a, and that's been a really, a really hard shift for me because when it comes to your children, no matter what mother you are, and I think that speaks to the whole, this is different with mm-hmm. George Floyd mm-hmm. is that whole, like when he called out for his mother, that went across any, right? Yeah. And the I fact have, yeah. that yep. all, the whole film he did everything he was supposed to. Like Omar and I talked about that. All the rules. All the rules. He followed every rule mm-hmm. that black people tell their children to follow. Now he was a grown man, but you know, you don't resist. You follow directions. You do, you know, you stay, you comply, you show your hands. He did all of it. And to see that man nonchalantly with his hands on his pocket, his sunglasses never off his head, and three people watch, three colleagues watch, it was just different. It was just different. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no way to justify that. There was no, well, he shouldn't have resisted. He, you know, had a weapon. He did that. No. But people are trying. They are. They They're are. trying to dig into the past. It doesn't matter if a person is guilty of a crime. I saw, I saw this recently. Yeah. If you're guilty or not guilty. You don't deserve you to don't die. You don't deserve to die. I just That's that not too. in the hands of law enforcement to do. And I'm right. sorry, I, I have family that have been police officers. Mm-hmm. I, res- I respect police officers that are good and doing mm-hmm. the right thing. But I, I saw that and I said to myself, like, yes, mm-hmm. 100%. Like, that is exactly the exactly right. You well, don't deserve to take anybody's hands from anybody. Right. Yeah. You're not the, you're not the and it, it's, creator. You know, every, every, you know, they always talk about, like, bad apples, bad apples. Of course, every profession is a bad apple. But my issue is the cover-ups. And the lack of accountability that they yep. hold each other to historically, right? And so, of course, there's going to be pockets where it's working. But as a system, it is not working because mm-hmm. time and time again, officers are getting off on these crimes and not being held accountable. Well, and I think I watched that, the 13th documentary. Mm-hmm. I had to watch it three times mm-hmm. to like fully even absorb yeah, it all. It's a lot of data it's, and it's like a lot. information, especially it's when you've lot. never been taught it. Yep. <laughs> and like I was thinking about you know, I same like I have a deep respect for police, and I, you know, I have. We were raised to. Yeah, right, because and, they're there to help you. Yeah, that that documentary, um, it really that's what really made me see it as a system, mm-hmm. and and that it really comes from the top down. Oh like, yeah, there are people telling them that this is okay, the, the, and it was cre- like like it said, the system is working just fine. This is how it was created, yeah. right? The system is not broken. 
it's working exactly as it was meant to, and that's the the problem. Yeah. So, no, it's, yeah, this this time is different. It feels different. Um, I was so sad I wasn't in school when this all happened because I would have totally loved to have, like, just listened to our kids and and been there for them more. We did reach out and have some, like, you know, student feedback, and we actually had some parent, a parent one, too, which was great, but you miss, as a teacher, you need to see your babies. Like, Mm -hmm. I just not seeing them and, like, feeling... The feel of the room oh yeah you know it, it it made me sad um but you know this i you always think you know everyone said like after barack obama became president like you know it's we're a post-racial society everything's great mm-hmm. you know and and clearly um i to be honest i feel we've gone even more backwards with current leadership but that's my own view i won't get into politics but um you know it, it's I'm actually more scared it, than I was. I, I was are more overt. Yes, like it's okay. Their... It's just been like co-signed by leadership that this is okay. It's it's also interesting to think about, and I was just talking about this with somebody, and I would have never considered this. He said, I don't think any of this would have happened if Hillary Clinton, which maybe I'll cut, I don't know. I should cut this out because we're getting political now, but... <laughs> He said, I don't think any of this would have happened if Hillary Clinton was president. Because when Barack Obama was president, people just thought racism was over. Done. Look at us. We've got a black president. What do you mean there's racism? And Hillary Clinton, like Me Too movement. And now we would have been. Any of like the protests or any of. No, he's just, he was just making the point of like people wouldn't be listening as much. Oh. Like, our current leadership is putting a big fat spotlight on everything that's going wrong. Mm. Because we don't have the excuse of we've got a black president right, yeah. or we've got a female president right. or what we have a, a Democrat oh, for a president. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like a way of just turning a blind eye, right. looking away. Like mm. what do you like? There's no way that there's That's sexism or racism in this country. We've got a Democrat, black or female president. You mm. know, and and now that we have the president that we have, that is not black, not female, and not particularly um, on the side of the oppressed. <laughs> it's It really puts a big spotlight on what's wrong with this country. It does. Well, and I, I think that, you know, the access to the information is at such a height, right? Like, so we have such access to what is current, what is happening, when it's happening. And we've had such great documentaries and great, filmmakers that have made things to teach us lessons that we didn't learn in history right Mm -hmm. and it's just I think it's a lot harder to ignore I mean for me right as a white person it's so much harder for me to ignore this because how can all these stories not be true right Right? Like, one, well, you can explain away, right? We're getting we're getting fed information, too, from the top that don't trust the media. And right. I, I have always, though, from... I don't even know what grade, but I remember, like, check and recheck your sources. And of this course. Was when I was in school. Of course. And, and I always, like, scroll to the bottom of an article before I even read it. 
and I I look who wrote it and like I remember I love my grandma and God rest her soul <laughs> but she um, had posted something that marijuana is now legal and like 150 people died and I'm like there's no, no way people way. died from marijuana <laughs> so let me look and like literally at the bottom it was like it couldn't have been more bleat and like this is a, a funny account of okay. if this was actually alcohol like or something onion? like that so like the onion like, or something yeah, the onion. yeah it was something like that and she goes oh thank God like I was so worried about marijuana ruining our country and I, and I love you grandma I love you so much but it, it's it just speaks to like and she, you know it's the internet so like she's just thinking yeah. everything coming oh, at her sure. is, yeah, is true sure. and I'm not saying grandmas don't yeah. know how to check their facts <laughs> grandmas know how to check their facts but you don't know to check your facts until right you you get duped exactly. right like you don't know to uh, cover your beverage mm-hmm. in public until you have had an experience or someone around you have had, has right. had an experience. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know to do these things mm-hmm. that are, a, a, that could be egregious, right? right? Like bad things can happen to you if you don't know about it. So once yeah. you start to have an education, once you start to open up your eyes and your mind, then you can create the change. But I think it's very important to be aware of things and how much is coming out at us, but also to be, to put it through the lens mm. of what is real mm-hmm. for sure and and you i mean obviously that video you cannot deny you can't yeah. deny facts, video right? right right but like i mean all media is biased no matter what mm-hmm. right like it's through and, the lens and of i that watch too. certain shows because i am biased right because sure. i believe mm-hmm. in certain mm-hmm. things so i'm not going to watch certain channels and i am going to watch other channels yeah but like you know, the whole thing is, I think the problem becomes is that people are like, if they don't see it on their channel, then they think it doesn't happen. Right. And so, that's I, true, yeah. you know what I mean? And so you yeah. just kind of always have to be aware of, like you said, looking at every side, you know, um, it's, it's just, I know with, with the access to media also becomes, it's power, it's harder. but it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's good and it's bad. Like, yeah, it's, like so anything, hard right? to... it's always good and it's bad. Um, so now like we, we know that you are a white mom, mm-hmm. black husband, biracial children. What do you hope for the future? Like mm. for your grandchildren, let's just say no pressure on your children yeah. having kids, <laughs> but let's just say that happens. Well, my or... daughter says she's going to have three. So. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> like, you, know. Um, you know, I think more before the grandchildren, Omar and I really thought long and hard about like what we want for the kids, our own kids. And we want them to feel enough, to feel enough in both their worlds and to be comfortable enough that they don't feel like they have to fit any box or check one box. Um, And in that, I'm hoping we're helping that with them and raising them to be who they are. And, and it's really interesting because they are two such different people. Um, you know, our daughter is very into learning about like her African American history and all that. And like, you know, we've talked about, she'll probably end up at like an HBCU and that's just who she is. And our son is not right. Like that's not, it's almost like he doesn't want to learn anything that makes him feel different. And Mm -hmm. so it's just very interesting. And so I want them to be safe and I want them to live in a world where they are just going to be valued for who they are as people because they're great people. And I, and the thing is, that's no different than any other mother wants. No. And that's, you know, that's the yeah. thing. Like I've seen all these comments about like, 
you know, we don't want our black children to be above the law. We just want them to be treated fairly mm-hmm. like every other, you know, kid. It, it, we don't want special treatment. We just want equal treatment. And that's, I want what every other mother wants. I want them to feel value in who they are and to live a happy life. I mean, that's it, right? And safety. And I, I don't think that's any different than my mother would have said. And it's funny because we had Chinoa on last podcast mm-hmm. and she said, I just, I don't remember the exact words. Mm-hmm. We can reference back to mm-hmm. the episode, but it was basically like, I just want people to be kind to one another yeah. and like not live in ignorance, mm-hmm. you know, and, and learn and educate themselves. And yeah. I think that's very yeah. easy to say. Yeah. Like, who doesn't want that? But it's getting out of our own way. People that haven't taken the time to inventory or you know and something that really struck to me too is you could read a book but then what do you do with that information right. you mm-hmm. got to keep educating you got to keep peeling and back keep and teaching your children you know there was a great article I didn't include it but um I think it's like letter to uh what a I white want. mom yeah what I want the friends of my, the white friends of my black son to know or something. I read that from you. Yes. That's super important. Yes. Too. And it was all about how like, if you are stopped by the police, please don't talk back because my son will get caught up in that. Please stay, mm. stick around and don't leave him, please. You know what I mean? And it was just all these things that, you know, just be there. Strategies. And, yes. And like, be and a talks wi- that we need to have. Exactly. For sure. And I, you know, I have, I've shared it with a few of Kellen's friends, not Cammy so much yet, but Kellen's because he's older and he's more out on his own with his friends than she is at this time. And, you know, I will say like he has had some incidents where his friends have really stuck by him, like that issue in the cafeteria. His friend flat out said, that's racist. Like, why isn't this kid leaving? And, you know, it made me feel good to think, okay, like, you know, he's, he's got a shot with the group of friends he's got right now. And then the next thing's going to come. Like our next fear is the first time he goes to pick up a girl. And what if she doesn't tell her parents, you know, that he's black. Yeah. Is that like, and then the driving, like there's all these things mm. like, you know, everyone hears about the talk. Like we've had these talks with Kellen a lot. And unfortunately for our son, I think, cause he lives in this bubble that he's lived in his whole life, which we've created almost to a fault. Cause you want to keep him so safe. Is like, he's not going to get it until something overtly happens to him. And so we can have all the talks we want with him, but I don't really know if he really thinks it's going to happen yet. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't think, you know, so that's just like that fear. Hasn't Which, happened to any of his friends. So right, would exactly. And so he's just like, but if I'm good, I'll be okay. Right. And like, you know me, I'm pretty tough, Kristen, like I have pretty high standards for behavior in and out of the classroom. So like my kids have always been taught to respect authority and to be respectful people and be honest. So I think he just feels like if he does that, then he'll be okay. And so it's like this weird place to be in where you don't want to burst your son's bubble of safety, but you want him to be prepared. Something that you told me, and I, I did, we don't make this very political often, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to be political, but I remember when the president was elected and coming into school the next day, and you were one of the first few people that I talked to, and we just, like, I want to cry right now. <laughs> I really do. I can't look at you. But... um you were like, I, I had a conversation with my son in the morning and he was like, who won? Who mm-hmm. won? Yeah. And and he said, I don't understand how someone could just even say the things because yep. I know you filtered yeah. the things that right. he saw in, in the election and the debates and all mm-hmm. that. 
but how someone could just say things like call people idiots mm-hmm. or whatever language. What, yeah, when he talked about like the special needs kid mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and make fun of people. How you how can you not be a good person but still get elected? And yeah. it's almost it's almost like, and I don't want to tell you how to do your yeah. job because you're a fam- <laughs> phenomenal mom, but it's almost like, Kellen, no matter how good you are, mm-hmm. unfortunately, someone's going to see you in that yes. reverse for no reason. And that's heartbreaking, right? And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see women cross the street when my husband's walking down the street because as you know he's like the kindest most gentle soul ever like really you should be afraid of me because I will <laughs> yeah. hurt you you know what I mean I'm like so much tougher than him and it's the same with my children like my daughter's so much tougher than Kellen like Kellen yeah. was picking up opponents off the football field before the whistle you know like Kellen leave them on the ground like you can't like, tackle them and pick them up and like to think of him being viewed as like threatening just because he's big and black is like insane to me. Like that he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt, you know? And, and, but you did, when you but I do. Right. Like I do every day of my life. And it's like, you know, I, it's just fascinating to me raising them. And it's literally, I'm literally living on the same street I grew up on. And so I'm raising them and their experience is so different than mine. And I'm raising them with the same values I had growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was raised to be honest. I was raised to work hard. I was raised to be kind to people. But it's so different. And it's given me such... I remember calling my mother-in-law and being like, I don't know how the hell you did this. Like, I don't know how you didn't just fear every time Omar left the house. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I did. I still do. And I'm like, to, to live with that fear. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I think I get so frustrated with people. Because I'm like, this is an emergency. We don't have time for you to read these five books and like get woke. Okay. So like, let's just, let's, can we just move it along? Like these are people's babies and so I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to jump into what, what would your like skip all the readings, skip the documentaries Mm -hmm. or, or don't do that on the side. But what would be your thing to tell people to take action now? Well, I will say, I think every white person needs to read waking up white. I I will say that and like read it fast. Okay. And you need to learn the systems that created this country to have, People of color not have any power, and white people have power. So redlining, we talked redlining, about prison, uh, prison, school um, to prison pipeline. Yeah. Um, you know the education system in general. Um, all the systems that you know, healthcare, and how it that all go- blew you, my mind. Yes, healthcare. and just like there's a reason that diabetes is rampant in the black community. You know, these were all because they were not given healthy food. They are they don't have access to healthy food. This is generation. This is like when they were slaves and they got the scraps of the, you know, the pig. So that was all the fat. I mean, it's like, it just goes back so, so much, right? It's cheaper to buy, uh, you know, fatty food than it is to buy healthy food. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. if you are in a cycle of poverty, what are you going to do? Right. Di- diapers. Yes, all You that. can't get diapers in bulk because WIC didn't allow you the amount of money to afford diapers in bulk. So people, there's there's a high number of urinary tract infections with oh, babies they still, of like, color. they basically monitor. Or... Because they have to keep, they keep their babies in oh, their diapers longer. Because they have to like ration wow. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And, black, and that's black somebody's baby. Like, and that's someone's baby. That's yes. the great equalizer, right? Yeah, right. That's somebody's He's baby. baby. Doesn't matter. Just like it's somebody's baby. What did a baby ever do to you? I know. I just, it's just fascinating to me. Every parent wants the best thing for their kid. And the assumption that people don't because they have less than you is amazing to me. 
Like we all have the same dreams for and our children. This yeah. is, and I don't mean to sound like I'm on some sort of high horse because mm-hmm. I'm absolutely not. But this is another thing I think to consider when you donate food to a shelter or to a food bank or something. Do not buy food that is less than you. Do not buy mm. food that you would not eat yourself. Oh, buy food. If you normally go to Whole Foods, buy Whole Foods. Right. And get, get diapers. Get Yeah. Get and diapers. get, if like the last time I went and bought food, like get dairy-free options, yeah. get gluten-free options. And I, like, was, get, I was told don't buy, like if you don't buy the things that have wick next to them because they can only buy certain types of orange juice. Like mm. people that are on, not they as in people of color, people that are on WIC. I don't, I want to clarify that. Not like they as in people of color, but anybody on WIC yeah, can only buy point. things that are, so I was like, I really paid attention to this because it got brought up to me in a conversation, especially during COVID when like everyone's grocery bill tripled. Yeah. And yeah. so I was thinking, well, I can afford the 50 cents more for this orange yep. juice yep. over the, so I'm not going to buy anything that's WIC approved because they are limited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, That's another really yeah, good thing to like, keep in mind when you're And you'll go on the first and second of the month. Yeah. Right. Like let, yes, let people that need yeah. to get things, get them. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, yeah. when, when you're buying, when you're donating food and you're buying food oh, that you wouldn't that eat, yeah, you are absolutely, you're saying to that person, you that are less, less valuable than. to yeah, me. That you're less than, than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, you know, is once you see it, just don't unsee it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like once that you Keep learn looking. these things, yes, and talk and hold. White people need to hold each other accountable. Yes, I mean we the just do. Jokes. Yeah, we it's just do. Because isn't it so? I mean, I've had people at school say racist things in front of me, Kristen. Like I'm sitting in front of them, like once a month, talking about. There may be a time or two my door has closed. Like that's so gross. Like you feel that comfortable because we're white that we're just gonna connect on this. So how? So how do you react when somebody so, says? Because there's a there's a couple different ways to react, right? right? So course. what's the best way to react to actually have it land? Well, I think you need to call it what it is, and I think the more you call it what it is, then the less it's going to happen. Now that doesn't mean it's at least around you. I don't know if it's going to stop it in general, but I have definitely looked back on times when I'm like, damn, I really didn't say it what it was. You know, I didn't Mm. say what it was. I was like, come on, that's not appropriate. I didn't say that was racist. That was homophobic. That was sexist. I didn't call it what it was. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's uncomfortable, right? And it's because oh, I don't know. Was that their intent? I don't know. You know, like you, you play this like weird game, but no, if it's if it's sexist, it's sexist. If it's yeah. racist, it's racist. It's like setting boundaries, but boundaries keep you safe. Mm. Ba- like this is like a boundary of like keeping other people safe. It's right. like, almost right. like I'm, I'm going to be the mama yeah. for right. George Floyd that right. wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like not that I am yeah. going to be the mom, you yeah. know, but like I'm going to like stand up yeah. for this baby. Yeah. Like somebody's baby. It's such a hard, it's such a hard that's like how it's a hard thing to know how to react. Like one of I, I get really worked up about Mm -hmm. women's rights Mm -hmm. and about sexism. Mm -hmm. And like, I went on a date with somebody that just had no idea that like, and had no concept of this and (laughs) thought that there was no way that women were treated differently and didn't believe me when I gave him very obvious examples. And I got really, you didn't have a second. No. (laughs) And I was getting worked up. I was I pissed. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, so how, like, it's like, you can't get pissed. You right. can't get worked up because well, you want them to hear you. Exactly. But it's also like, it's not my responsibility to talk, to like, tell you that like, you should just know better. You I should know. just know. But they don't. But then at the same time, yeah. I didn't necessarily know about racism. Mm-hmm. Right. So now the, f- the switch is flipped back on me where I'm like, 
want put people to know about sexism and mm-hmm. know about women's rights and and know about all the shit that women have to mm-hmm. deal with. Why was I not also doing that for race the the systemic racism in this country, right? So mm-hmm. like it's just I think taking a hard look on the about the things that you are really passionate about and that you really like love to fight for mm-hmm. and and looking at it from a different lens. Am I making any sense? Yes. No, I'm understanding what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, and I think like you know, the, the big part is to say, all right, so what if I offend them? What they said yeah. was offensive, right? Like, we yeah. have to get, like, yeah, white true. people are it's, so into, like, that's true. let's not talk about politics. I mean, how many times have yeah. I said it here? <laughs> yeah. Let's not talk about race. Let's not talk about religion. Like, it's not, no money talk. Like, these are yeah. all taboo subjects, mm-hmm. which is, like, mm-hmm. what, that's how um, Debbie Irving starts in Waking Up White. It was, like, reading my waspy family, like, background, right? Because we are, like, well, my dad's Italian, but my mom's, like, waspy white from Boston, and it was just, like, reading our whole history, right? Mm. And I was just, like, but, you know, that whole, like, I don't see color. I don't care. I mean, I love my mother, but every I don't see color. I don't care if you're polka dot, blue or black. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it took my husband to be, like, but, you know, mom, like, I am black. I'm very proud of that. Like, I want you to see that in me. Like, that's a huge part of who I am. Yeah. And, like, shifting that, because we were raised, like, you shouldn't see that. That's horrible. Mm -hmm. We're all the same. We're one human race, right? Mm -hmm. Well, but that's not true, right? Like, we we do have races. And granted, they were social constructs put on us, but, like, it's also a sense of pride for people. Like, people are proud to be who they are. And so, when you don't validate that, you're, you're, letting go of a huge part of who somebody is. Right. There's there's a difference, I think, between saying, like, I think it just needs to be reframed in a way of, mm-hmm. like, I see your race. Mm-hmm. I see your gender. I see your sexuality, mm-hmm. all of that. And I love you for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it doesn't make me love you less. Right. You know, like, that. it needs to be reframed to, like, instead of saying, like, I, 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 I don't care if you're black, white, orange, right. yellow, purple, whatever. I don't care. Like, right. uh, say I love you for it. Mm-hmm. The, I see who you are and I love you for it. And I don't love you less because you're gay. Right. And I, I love see you for that it. you are not granted opportunities because yes. of certain yes. things. And I see, yes. right? Like, yes. Yes. like yes. that whole, like, I don't know what it's like to be you, but mm-hmm. I want you mm-hmm. to know that I see it, right? Like that I see the injustices and I will not, mm-hmm. you know, stay quiet. Like, I will not. Like, I talked to my students a lot this year. We talked a lot about bearing witness. We had read a book, Ghost Boys, and it kind of mirrors um, the Tamir Rice shooting and then brings in the story of Emmett Till. And we had a lot of conversations about bearing witness, and it was amazing to me, these, you know, babies. I mean, they're eighth graders, not babies. But, you know, saying, like, like, when people don't acknowledge your experience, it's like it just takes a piece of you, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like... Just acknowledge that yeah. these things are happening. Like, I I just feel like... Or, like, even acknowledge when you've said something that's offensive. And that's right. hard. Right. right? Like, that is so hard. Nobody wants to admit they're wrong no one. about anything. About anything, anything right? <laughs> like, especially so, me. No, right? <laughs> no it's <laughs> true. And, like, you know, I, I really have struggled with that because, yeah. like... I, and I remember specifically saying this in the PD. I have brown kids. I have a black husband. And I took that Harvard implicit bias test online and I have a preference for white people. Does that mean I don't love my kids? Does that mean I don't love? No. It means that 
the system's working. Can you, um, you referenced that yeah. in your sheet, yeah. right? Because we have uh, a... I don't know if I did, but yes, I can send you that. Yeah, okay. it's, it's um, Harvard University did this implicit bias. And you could do it on race, you could do it on religion, you could do it on gender. Um, but it, it, it was really eye-opening for me. It's, it's like what I call like equity one-on-one. Like all the white people think it's like great and new, mm-hmm. but it's been around for, for a long time. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard and it's like, okay, wow. Like what am I putting on my students and my own children? If this is my preference, mm-hmm. right? What messages am I? And I had to like take a look. I was like, damn, in my own house, do I have like African art up? Do I have art that represents yeah. yes. them. I thought that yeah. in my... Do I have... Even, yeah, yeah, like... Yeah. And I didn't. You know what I mean? And I was like, this is... Like, our pictures of, like, Jesus and angels. like A do, white Jesus? Yeah, like, <laughs> hello, right? And I'm thinking, oh, my God. That like, was one I, thing I remember yeah. in my induction into Windsor. They do mm-hmm. the teacher training, um, like, a week before school starts. And whoever it was at the time, superintendent, assistant mm-hmm. superintendent, said... You know who is represented in your classroom, mm-hmm. and make sure you have every face yeah. represented. It doesn't matter what students are actually sitting. Like you right. can be in this affluent Glastonbury Absolute. town. You can be in Windsor that has everything. Right. And I it think does, it's more it's, important in like the Glastonburys, right? Yeah. Like I, people of color are often used for like entertainment and music mm. and sports, right. and right. And so it's They're like fetish, fetishized. Yes. Yeah. And so like my question is like, are you also reading? like black authors do you have a black doctor do you yeah do you know what i like like that like those are kind of things that i never thought about but like we were really cognizant about choosing certain medical people Mm. like for our kids right and Mm. you know we do we have one black doctor out of our core you know network of doctors all female doctors (laughs) (laughs) and you know i had to look far and wide for a dermatologist for callen because Mm. there's only one doctor that specializes in biracial skin in all of Hartford County. Wow. Wow. That right there. She has like a six month waiting list. Yep. She's on a UConn and every single friend I have that has a child of color, we have like shared this name because it's like, you know. Wow. It's it's insane. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. And I, because they're, his skin is different. It's not mine. Yeah. And it's not my father's. Right. Right. I hope I don't offend anybody with this, but like, isn't that a view of the system, though? Correct. Yeah, you don't, that's part. Exactly. Have... Okay. Wow. Yeah. Right. So, like, I just say the obvious, like a ding. Yeah. I'm a little slow. It's yeah. past seven o'clock, so my brain is no. Done. But I think that's like the whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, that says so right. much. That's, yeah. Right. Like, and there it comes full circle, right? And there's the system. So one thing I know it's like getting. Getting late, but um, one thing that we always ask our guests at the end is um, our we're not here to make money. We're mm-hmm. just here to like share voices and passions and all kinds of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of more of like a pay it forward thing. Mm-hmm. So on our website, we always will have like a little link to who you are mm-hmm. um, and then a space where people can donate to your charity of choice. Okay. So what is a charity? And you can take your time yeah. to think about it too. No, I thought you about can also it. also do a few if you need to. Before, yeah. Um, I really love the Innocence Project. Mm-hmm. I have been like learning a lot about that um, with you know false convictions. It kind of sparked with the When They See Us docuseries mm-hmm. I watched and the Exonerated Five from the Central Park Five and how um, the system is rigged to for certain people to be guilty until proven innocent. And so for me, that is a, a great cause, I think, um, for for me to support. So I would say the Innocence Project. 
Okay, well, we'll definitely and, link And on that. their website, it, there is like a donate now thing. Like it's a pretty Perfect. straightforward link. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I've been, I've been just doing like $10. So like that's there's yeah. not a lot of there there's not a lot well, of money for people right like, now but just a yeah. little bit like if you guys are listening and you're like I can't donate anything I'm oh, too yeah. broke just ten dollars yeah five dollars doesn't matter and the other don't people get do. your coffee today I know, well, I know. or skip your whatever Something. I can't skip yeah. my coffee <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. you know. well and the other one I was looking at but I to be honest I haven't done research but I would encourage people to look into it because I'm curious about it the Connecticut Bail Fund for um. It had like for protesters that were arrested. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know enough about it. It's like fully endorsed it as like my, but I, I'm curious. So if people want to look up, I've seen a lot of it coming on Facebook from people so, that I respect. So maybe that's something that people can look up and tag us on their own. Yeah, tag us on Instagram. Great. If you find one that you guys are interested yeah. in donating to tag us and, and, uh, Try yeah, to get more it, people to. It was on there, and it talked a lot about like especially getting fathers home for Father's Day mm. that were arrested and um, for protesting and, and things like that. So, but yeah, but yeah, for sure. And but like I said, by no means am I an expert. It's just been my journey of, you know, seeing something that it didn't feel right, and then just, you know, doing I, something. I yeah. honestly think like the best history is spoken from people that have have or mm. are living it and you're living it in a sense from both sides yeah and learning and every day learning there are sometimes yeah. i say things and omar's like what i'm like oh sorry <laughs> my white privilege was showing you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like and but that's so great yeah to have like that, we like, have check. that yeah right, for right. sure for sure and you know unfortunately like he has to teach i mean he's my husband so it's a little different of a relationship you know i don't expect like people of color to teach me but Obviously, he is going to have to help me with this because I've right. never been You have a, a responsibility with right. two children. children yeah. right? We're doing it together. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, we all have, I mean, us, yeah. we all have a huge responsibility For now. Sure. And history teachers, like, you've got a big responsibility. My husband, he's we a social all, studies teacher. That, you know, that's going to be so amazing. So he's like, I didn't, yeah. Yeah. He's reading the book, um, The History Might teacher didn't tell me or didn't teach mm. me or something. He's reading that right now. And I was like, oh, you're going to really blow it out of the water this first year. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. So he's in high school. Is he 9 through 12? He's or? just teaching freshmen. Freshmen. Okay. Yeah. That's mm. perfect. It's exciting. Yeah, he's super excited. And he loves history in general, right? And so it'll be great for him. He'll do great. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's important. Yeah. And, you know, Shanoa, um, on our last interview, she was saying, I think history should be taught by black people. Uh, I think it should be co-taught for sure because I think that both perspectives are so interesting to see mm -hmm. and then discuss why there's two different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, when history is written by the victor, right? Yeah, I think it's all of victor. And I shouldn't say yeah. two perspectives because as we know, there's several perspectives of this history of our nation. But sure. be interesting to have every perspective shared, mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, yeah, I didn't learn about any of it until I was like 21 and in college. Oh, yeah. Well, and, uh, me growing up in an Italian family, Christopher Columbus was like a hero. Yeah. Was like a god. I, 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 it was like... Boy, was that a world shaker. And that just shaker. changed. I know. It's like, still barely called Indigenous I Peoples know. Day. I know. Barely. I know. But it is it's interesting. interesting. It, it is. Thank you so much yeah. for Thank coming you for on. Thank for you. Your time. It's nice, it's nice to talk to people. 
Thank you all so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed. We hope that you learned something and that you are inspired to take action the way that Jen has taken action and encourages everybody to. Um, This is, I do feel a sense of urgency about all of this. And we want to continue to have more people on that can speak about their personal experiences or can speak about trainings that they've done. So if you know anybody that can speak about the Black Lives Matter movement, that can speak about the racial injustice in this country, the systemic racism, please send us a message on Instagram or you can email us at followingthepodcast at gmail.com. Other than that, subscribe so that you can hear more of this and um, we look forward to hearing from you.